are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts, and we're going to do a couple of profiles, three profiles here of different areas the Pelicans are going to be looking this offseason. We're going to start with a free agent. Potential free agent in Jeremy Grant. Uh, then we're going to look at head coach in David Vanterpool. And then finally, draft prospect that's likely out of the reach of the Pelicans, but should definitely be a trade-up target for them should the opportunity present itself. And that is Killian Hayes out of France. So let's just dive into everything in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get $10 off your next order. And don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to Locked on Pelicans. If you've missed a couple of the, the interesting episodes we've done over the past weeks, go back and listen to them too. I've told the story. I'm going to keep promoting the story because I'm the first person to tell this story. And that's the story of why the Pelicans drafted Jamal Murray, or sorry, drafted Buddy Heald over Jamal Murray and the disastrous workout that led to it. It's really, really interesting and a great peek behind the scenes. If you've wanted to hear more about some of the head coaching candidates too, because a lot of things are quiet on that front with New Orleans. But go back, listen to the one about Billy Donovan, who I think would be a really good fit that came out like two days before he was uh, separated, we should say, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. So we've had a lot of interesting podcasts during the offseason and the hiatus. So make sure you go back and listen to some of the best ones. So let's dive into some more offseason stuff. And that's what we're going to focus on basically entirely in today's episode. This is a free agent guy. Tomorrow we'll do another trade target Tuesday. I think I'm going to start doing that as a regular thing. But Jeremy Grant is an interesting guy. He might be a trade target too because he does have a player option for next year. So this is the uh, Denver Nuggets. Power forward, small forward. He's kind of a hybrid. I don't really want to call him a stretch four because he's got so much positional versatility that he can play on the wing. Though... In his career, he's largely played at that power forward position, but he's kind of all over the place. 6'8", with very good size. And he's been a bit of a revelation for the Denver Nuggets this season and somewhat in their playoff run. Though I don't think he's played particularly great in the playoffs, so I don't think they're putting him in the best position to succeed. But he is a guy who is, in theory, in the final year of his deal. He's got a player option next season for $9.34 million. And given how well that he's played... I could see him opting out of that and looking to secure a long-term contract. Honestly, likely a little bit higher than what he's getting right now. But it's a guy that should be absolutely on the Pelicans' radar. So just from the basic counting stats, he does enough to be a guy coming off the bench. 12 points per game this season, grabbing four rebounds per game as well. Shooting, though, from deep. 39%. He shot 39% last season in Oklahoma City too. So he's really started to come around as a three-point shooter. And when you really watch him play, it's it's what he does on the defensive side of the ball and how you can use him offensively too that really stand out. So the three-point shooting is important, right? If you're going to bring in someone, they probably need to be able to shoot the three ball well. It's just kind of as simple as that unless you're bringing in like a pure, pure center, which I don't think we really need to look at too much. But in terms of Jeremy Grant and what he does, he does a lot of things 
really, really well. And we go to the B-Ball Index. And if you want to sign up for it, go to bball-index.com because it's a really great tool to research players and kind of see who might you might be looking for and what their real specific strengths are. And I love using this tool now. He does a lot. They grade him out in a couple of top areas. Number one is perimeter shooting. Number two is finishing, the ability to get to and finish at the rim. And then third is one-on-one, which I'm less worried about. But fourth is off-ball movement. So you're going to tell me this guy offensively can shoot the ball well, moves well without the ball, and can finish at the rim. Yeah, that sounds like a guy I want to plug into this Pelicans roster to kind of plug some of the holes that they have right here. And when you watch him play, yeah, this stands out. Great catch-and-shoot guy. We know he can do that. He's more of an above-the-break three-point shooter. He doesn't shoot from the corners particularly well, so he hurts you a little bit. In that regard, you'd like someone that can anchor a defense down in the corner, but, you know, he can't be perfect at everything. But offensively, he does finish at the rim pretty well, and he's, so, he's not the most aggressive guy and doesn't get there as easy as you'd like him to. But when he sees a lane, he's not scared to take that lane and drive and attack. And if he does get contested up there, he's good at finishing through contact and getting the score. That's different from a guy like Lonzo Ball, different positions. You're not comparing him with that. But a guy who's just not afraid to attack when the opportunity presents itself. He's not going to hunt for it necessarily. He's not going to try and make something that's not there like Russell Westbrook just going, you know, full bore into the defense. If he sees it, he's going to take it. The great thing about it, though, is when he does drive and attack, he draws a foul rate in the 87th percentile of it. So he's going to go to the line at least a decent bit. And when you have Zion, who's drawing fouls, Brandon Ingram, who can do the same thing too, having another guy that can try and take advantage of that, I think is pretty good. This guy only averages three fouls per game, but his foul rate is actually pretty strong in terms of getting to the free throw line and you really like to see that from him so this is perfect for what new orleans is hopefully looking to get out of a six man or a role player that can step in and plug some holes when you need it but on the defensive side is where he also really really stands out he can guard multiple positions and i think that's big here you can put him at the power forward spot and have him guard that when you're playing small ball with zion at center and frankly he's a big that would fit really well next to zion out there in the front court you can put him on the wing though and he's not completely lost out there in terms of defense sometimes you see bigs out there um nicolo melli struggled to defend on the on the wing he does that he's really good actually in that kind of perimeter big kind of role that can handle switches doesn't mind switching on to someone a little bit smaller than him he does a pretty good job overall of just staying in front of his guys not really letting them blow by him and just doing enough defense i think to slow things down and muck up an offense. Not an elite defender necessarily. He's not a particularly great rebounding either, uh, rebounder either, but he's strong interior and he's good enough out there on the perimeter. I like a guy like that. For a guy that maybe will get 13 to 15 million per season, I think there's worse guys than you can have than him. And he can plug into a number of different places. It gives you just more lineup versatility, which when you're still trying to figure out what works around Zion, I think is actually really valuable. So this is a guy I could see New Orleans really going after if they clear cap space to try and bring him in. And they could create enough room to kind of go after him. So a guy to keep an eye on if he opts out of his player option is going to be Jeremy Grant of the Denver Nuggets. So coming up on today's show, David Vanterpool, head coaching candidate for your New Orleans Pelicans and potential draft prospect Killian Hayes. We've got them both covered here in just a moment. 
Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only daily show here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, whether it's the draft, free agency, coaches, all of it. We've got it covered here at Locked On Pelicans. All right, let's look at another head coaching prospect for the Pelicans. Like I've said multiple times, it's like it's a really good time to be in the market for a head coach because there's a lot of really qualified guys, and it seems like so many different assistants are ready to take the leap. You've also got established head coaches that I think would work well too, that it's almost like an embarrassment of riches in a way. Like It's going to be tough to make a really bad hire, I think, in this case. Though it seems like the Indiana Pacers is potentially interviewing uh, Mike Brown of the Golden State Warriors, formerly of the Lakers, formerly of the Cavs too, might be potentially making that mistake because that one kind of surprised me. Why basically fire uh, McMillan to only bring in a similar-ish kind of guy, though more defensive focused, I guess. But still, anyway, it's tough to make a wrong hire, I think. We'll see if a team actually does do that, though. So David Vanterpool is a name that's been in the coaching rumor mill for the past, I don't know, season or two now and back up again now with so many openings. And when you look at this guy's resume, it makes some sense, though I will admit I do have some reservations and he's probably not all that high up on my coaching list. And I'll explain why towards the end of the segment. But look, you've got to have the utmost respect for this guy. And it sounds like everyone around the league does, including star players, which is a very big ringing endorsement in my mind. He played in the NBA for all of 22 games back in 2002, playing the majority of his career overseas. This is a dude who has grinded at basically every stop that he's had. And he had success overseas, winning five titles with various franchises, whether that was in Russia with, by the way, Trajan Langdon, where he was a teammate and coach of him at one point with CSKA Moscow, whether it was in Italy, whether it was in China, he has been all over the place playing basketball because this is what he loves. Just being kind of that journeyman European do, uh, player, not a star player at all. And I kind of like something like that. One, I, mean, I like all that varied experience that you get from some of that, but he understands that none of this is just going to be given to him and he is going to work hard. I can tell you a story. I'll save it for, for tomorrow a little bit about Darren Ehrman. One of the reasons he was kind of bounced out of New Orleans. But part of that is because you've got to work hard as a coach or as an assistant coach. And a lot of guys don't, but Vanterpool definitely, definitely does. And I think that says a lot about him. He transitioned to coaching with CSKA Moscow as an assistant there, was then a coach of Pelicans GM Trajan Langdon. So there's connections to this New Orleans franchise right now too. Before being brought over and working as uh, director of player uh, personnel for the Oklahoma City Thunder, expecting that he would go into front office work, but then he was hired by the uh, Portland Trailblazers to be an assistant coach there. He got hired there in 2012, worked there until 2019. He's now with the Minnesota Timberwolves as the associate head coach. And Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum rave about this dude. They absolutely rave about him. And I think that really does say something. The fact that you can get the buy-in from both those guys and Damian Lillard credits him with so much of his success and the player that he's become with that player development work with Vanterpool that he's done. It's amazing to kind of hear, hear what he says about that. There's a great story there that Vanterpool says he basically told Damian Lillard before you ever cross half court, you've got to say 10 things to your team, 10 words to your team and start being that leader and being that communicator and growing up to being the guy who runs this team, forcing that ownership onto Damian Lillard, who responded to that, by the way, Dame is a very vocal leader of that 
Portland team, both on the court, off the court, everything with it. The fact that Vanterpool brought that out of him and can conceivably do that again and has had success doing it. Oh, that is a huge, huge check mark in like 72 font and all green that you want when you're looking for the next Pelicans head coach. But is a head coach going to be able to do that as much? And that's a question that I have. That is something that more of these assistants focus on. And is a head coach going to be able to spend that much one-on-one time with guys to bring that out? I have a question about that. I don't know if he's going to be able to kind of get down in the grind with some of these players on this Pelicans roster that he's done with Lillard, with McCollum, and some of these other guys that he would be when he was an assistant coach. It's just not... It's like a time thing. You know, you can't always do that. I'm not saying he won't or I don't want to knock him for it. It's just an unknown and it's a big question I have knowing how kind of a head coach's day-to-day looks. And that's not great in my opinion. The defense, what he ran in Portland with Minnesota, gives me some worries too. He does not like to switch and wants his guys to fight through screens. You're you're not going to be able to do that with this Pelicans roster. If you bring that defense here, and I'm not saying that he would, I'm just going by the evidence that we've seen so far. Our guys die on screens, die on screens other than Drew Holiday. He's the only one that can fight through a screen. So if you want to run that kind of defense where you got it, where you don't switch and you fight through it, their defense is going to be worse off. I don't think you can run that here. Now, if he changes it, that's great. You also have assistant coaches to work on a lot of that stuff too. But if he's kind of rigid in that, and I don't know if he is or not, it's, you know, he's never been a head coach. I am concerned about it. But a lot of that kind of grind work he has, you'd love him as an assistant coach, as a lead assistant, like, oh my God, yes. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that necessarily as a head coach, but the players do rave about him and show that he wants to help work with you to become better. And he's got the track record to prove it. I don't mind giving a guy like that the shot to be the head coach. The varied experience he has, I think, is a very good thing, too. He's kind of seen it all. You feel like being all over the place. And that's going to allow him to kind of respond to situations that he he's going to run into. And so I think that is a ringing endorsement for a guy. This is someone who's not at the top of my list, probably closer to the bottom of my list, but I don't think you'd go wrong with this. And if the Pelicans hired him, I'm going to be like, it's, it's fine. This is good. Let's see what he can do. And I'm excited for what he's able to bring to the team. And if he finds a way to work on that player development and get in the grind with these guys like he has as an assistant, again, that's my concern. I'm all in on it. I think he can do some really, really good things. The fact that he made Damian Lillard that vocal leader, that Lillard credits him with that. So I mean the hell up because that's what this team really, really needs. So Vanderpool, I think, could be a great asset to New Orleans, whether it's as a head coach or an assistant, and definitely a guy that they should be looking at. All right, finally on today's show coming up, Killian Hayes in the draft. Not someone who's going to be there at 13, but someone that I wouldn't hate if New Orleans traded up for. I'll give you a breakdown about this draft prospect coming up here in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's really that simple. Frankly, the only thing that's better than Built Bar is, well, Built Bar because they're new and improved with the new formula, new packaging, new marketing. These things are awesome and you've got to try them particularly since they've redone everything and they've made them just like a little bit better, which they were already awesome. Making them a little bit above that, a little bit of lanyap in here with it all is great. These things are fantastic and you're not even going to realize you're eating a protein bar. Protein bars. Uh, chalky, not 
tasting all of that great. They kind of dry your mouth out. You got to chug a bottle of water or something like that after that. That's not the case. The first time I had one of these, I honestly was kind of confused. And it's like, this is a candy bar. This can't be good for me. Why I don't want to eat something like this. And then you look at it all and no, they are absolutely good for you. They're great for the health conscious person, whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They've got some that have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories and 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. They've got flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie. They're also all covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. There's nothing chalky about these. Their consistency is closer to a candy bar than any sort of protein bar you've ever tried. And you've got to give these things a shot. And frankly, if you already have tried them and you've ordered them through using the locked on promo code before, well, they've reset the promo code with, uh, so you can try some of the ones with the new formula. Plus they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, even if you've used it before and you're going to get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off over at builtbar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. No other show is breaking down draft prospects, head coaching prospects, X's and O's, free agency, everything going on around the league as well for you like we are here at Locked On Pelicans. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to talk about Killian Hayes because as I really dove into this draft, this is a guy that I'm uh, kind of love. Like I really see this guy as being one of the better prospects in this draft, probably in the top three. And a guy that I think has some superstar potential in him at the, at the NBA level. This guy's going to be good. I, like, I really, really think that. He has no chance of being available for the Pelicans at 13 overall. But it sounds like drafts are kind of split on him. Some see him as a top two, three guy here or the number one overall guy in this draft. Some seem to be a little bit concerned about him too. And that means maybe he falls a little bit. I don't know if he goes past... Seven, I'm sure the Knicks would take him an eight if he's available. But this is there's a lot to like about this guy. But if he does fall a little bit outside of the top three or four, five, six, seven, eight, whether it's the Cavs, the Hawks, the Pistons, the Knicks at eight there, I think you could potentially move up and package one of those Lakers picks or other assets that you have to try and go and get this guy. And if you have that opportunity to do so and it's not horribly expensive and if it doesn't look like there's going to be anyone you particularly like at 13, if you're not in love with some of the wings and others that are available there, I think it would almost be a good move. I like this guy that much that I would kind of support the Pelicans using some of their draft capital to uh, to move up and try and grab him. International prospect out of France. He's not even 19 years old yet. And that says a lot. You want as young of a guy as possible in the NBA draft. And when you watch film of this guy, oh boy, he does a whole lot of things well. There, There's a lot of James Harden in him, like the best parts of James Harden. Those step backs, the crossovers, the moves that Harden has to manufacture his own shot. Killian Hayes has those. They're in his repertoire as an 18-year-old, and he has made dramatic improvements so far to his game, it sounds like, over the past year or so. You love that because that is a tough, those skills are very, very tough to teach. And having a guy that can score and create for himself and then therefore others like James Harden, I think is a very, very good thing. He's going to be a higher usage guy than some of the guys you get at 13 or these other complimentary players. But frankly, I think it would work with a guy like Brandon Ingram. It'd work with a springy big in Zion Williamson. And if this guy kind of develops as you would hope, 
oh yeah, it's going to work. He he is a playmaker, just plain and simple, a playmaker, whether it's for himself or for others. He is a very strong passer, hits cutters, finds guys in the pick and roll. He's going to be able to lob balls up for Zion Williamson and read that perfectly and put those balls, frankly, where only Zion's going to be able to get them. In the pick and roll, he's great in that side, uh, in that aspect as well. And he shows some nice touch closer to the rim. Most of his scoring comes in the paint. He can get down low and score with floaters, with runners. You can see some of those uh, Etuan Moore moves in there and just breaking out whatever it is, the right type of touch that you need to score the basketball, giving, uh, you know, depending on what the defense is throwing at you. To be able to read and react like that and to choose the right move that you have and score with that and have all of those moves in your repertoire, that's a very, very good thing. He's got good size too. He's 6'5". His wingspan is a little over 6'8". So he's got some positional versatility, at least defensively when he grows into that he's not a good defender right now and he very much struggles on that side of the ball but that's okay that's what you expect that from an 18 year old a 19 year old in the NBA is going to struggle he has the tools at least to show that he should be able to grow into that though he's not the most uh, dominant athlete that I've seen there's a lack of some burst in him I think that can maybe hurt him more offensively than defensively I think I think he can develop to be just like a fine defensive guy he's not going to be elite in my opinion, his shooting numbers don't look great. His three point percentage isn't particularly strong at under 30%, 29.4. But when you watch him, the release is good. The mechanics are good. He's got a smooth shot on it. There's no hitch or anything kind of weird to that. And I think he'll develop over time to being a very competent NBA shooter, particularly if you pair him with a guy like Fred Vinson, who we know is capable of getting that out of a variety of guys. With the right coaching, he should be able to develop the three point shot. What's really going to limit him more than anything right off the bat in the NBA is he is a left-handed player and he is so left-hand dominant. I don't think I saw him really do anything with his right hand in all of the video that I watched of him. That's limiting. That means that, yes, he knows how to make the passes. He can make almost any pass with his left hand. If he can't do it with his right hand, you're still going to be a little bit limited offensively. He can get to the spots where he wants to create for others, yes, but he's not going to be that dynamic game changing point guard playmaker if you don't develop the right hand it also limits him when he gets inside that if they take away the left he runs into some trouble that way too and that's not really what you want to see but again give it time he's an 18 year old 19 year old when the season whenever that's going to be whenever it starts I don't think you're looking for him to be complete right now this is all to be expected, but that lack of a right hand right now, that's really going to limit him. That's going to lead to turnovers and it's going to lead to empty offensive possessions because of all of that. So he definitely needs to develop a right hand at some point and then tighten up his dribble with his left hand as well, because I can see turnovers being a problem, but man, he just looks fluid out there on the court. He looks like an NBA player. He moves like an NBA player and almost at times like an elite NBA player. And when you watch some of the things that he does and you see the James Harden in that, like the good James Harden, hell yeah, sign me up for that. If you can dribble and then pull up and shoot like he's able to with step backs and other things. Yeah, I like a guy who's going to be able to keep a defense off balance like that. And then if they do defend him well and he can make those passes and create for others by being aggressive like he is, sign me right up. This is the guy that I think might be, after watching a number of these top guys, I think I'm most sold on Killian Hayes in this draft and definitely a guy I think the Pelicans should trade up and try and get. 
So big thank you to Built Bar for sponsoring today's show. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. So there you go. One, one potential free agent, wet head coaching candidate, one draft prospect that I think they should trade up for. I'm really sold on Killian Hayes. I think he's going to be awesome. So thank you all for listening. More to come tomorrow. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll spill some tea on, on Darren Ehrman here and why I think maybe that should make you even a little bit more excited for a guy like Vanterpool. I'll tell that story in tomorrow's show. So make sure you listen to that one. We'll also do a trade target for tomorrow's show as well. So thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.